Okay, so in yesterday's episode, I talked about some X factors for the New Jersey Devils, but what do I anticipate from more of their big name players? So their star players. There's a lot to break down. Happy opening day, everybody. It is a special day as the New Jersey Devils will take the rank for the first time this season against the Philadelphia Flyers. This time, the games count for real. Lots to talk about on today's episode of Locked on Devils. Buckle up, everybody. Your Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked on Devils with Trey Matthews. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey club, a play announcer, and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. Guys, it is finally here. It is the start of the regular season for the New Jersey Devils as they are going to take on the Philadelphia Flyers later tonight. Now, here's the thing. I'm on the West Coast, so it's actually going to begin at 4 p.m. on my time because I am on Pacific time. So it, this is going to take some getting used to be basically watching the New Jersey Devils mid-afternoon as if it's like a, a regular football game or whatever case might be. But I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad that I'm finally going to get back to dissecting games, giving you guys a rundown, my overall opinions. Hopefully the New Jersey Devils can start this season off with an easy W because the Philadelphia Flyers aren't really projected to do all that well. So recently I did a crossover with the people over at Locked On Flyers. I didn't post it onto this channel just because it was more of a discussion of the New Jersey Devils because they were just trying to preview how the Devils are looking this season. So uh, I'll actually put a link for that in the description. And speaking of links to, this, to uh, certain things, as you guys know, I called the first ever game at Mullet Arena as ASU's women's hockey team was able to defeat Grand Canyon University by a score of four to two. It was a great matchup. I called uh, the first half of the game. So I called all of period number one and half of period number two. And then I swapped it over to my partner who finished out the rest of the game. And I moved over to color commentary. I am just incredibly honored to now call the first ever game, the first ever goal, the first introduction at Mullet Arena. And that's something I'm going to be able to tell my kids. And this is definitely the highlight of my young career as a sports broadcaster. And I'm glad that I was able to sort of share that moment with you guys because I revealed it on the previous episode. But anyway, enough of my personal life. Let's get on to the information for the New Jersey Devils. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode, let's take care of some housekeeping for New Jersey Devils. So Shimon Nemetz was sent down to Utica and Kevin Ball was called up. Now, this was to be expected, but I was predicting for Nemetz to maybe appear in a few games for the Devils at the beginning of the year just to get his feet wet in the NHL. That's what the reports were saying. And, you know, Ryan Ovazinski and others were saying that this was sort of a cap situation for New Jersey Devils. So here's what Ryan Ovazinski had to say about the recent move by the New Jersey Devils. He said, basically having Nemetz on the roster when LTI for Bernier kicked in was a strategic move that saved them money in relief. The Mets has high performance bonuses, so his hit would have been $4.2 million if not on the initial roster. So basically, Ryan Ovazinski, once again, is just saying that this is a cap situation for New Jersey Devils. It always was a strategic cap uh, move for them. So 
the the goal was to never have the Mets on the roster for a long period of time. We just figured that it was either now or never for the Mets. I don't anticipate for him to have too many opportunities at the NHL level. In fact, I don't think he's going to get that many reps unless someone suffers an injury of some sort. So the Mets beginning in Utica, he also understands the situation and he feels as though that he's going to get more opportunities down there uh, compared to him being like the seventh defenseman on the New Jersey Devils. So we'll wait till next year for Nemets to possibly make the roster and show his impact at the NHL level. Makes sense. And really looking forward to seeing what he could do in Utica. Hopefully he's able to light it up. And now the main question is, is Nico Heischer going to suit up tonight for the New Jersey Devils? Now, quite honestly, guys, when this episode goes live, they'll probably reveal whether or not if he's going to play for New Jersey Devils or whatever the case might be. But uh, once again, Ryan Novoziski has an update. He says New Jersey Devils captain Nico Heischer wasn't listed on tonight's roster, but there's a reason. Since he's on IR, he doesn't show up on the roster page. The Devils could activate him tomorrow. This isn't confirmation he'll play, but there's still a chance. If I had to make a prediction, especially since this is against the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that's not all that good, and since the season is obviously long, I would predict that I think it's better to be safe than sorry. So, you know, it's a hamstring strain and, you know, that kind of stuff takes week to week. So why rush Nico Heischer when we really don't need him for this matchup? It's not like we're playing the Colorado Avalanche or the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Carolina Hurricanes of that sort. So it's against the Philadelphia Flyers, a trash organization. And I feel as though our worst is better than their best. So, and like I said, if I had to make a prediction, I'd say Nico Heischer doesn't play this game. But like I said, when this episode goes live, they'll probably reveal whether or not if Nico Heischer is going to play or not. Could be a game time decision, but we'll see what happens. Now, before we continue with today's episode and get into the root of it, I want to bring you guys the first and only library this morning. And it comes from our friends at Bet Online. So please remember to gamble responsibly as we approach the new hockey season. So BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your football betting info this season. Also NHL. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest, easy way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly once again. And visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well okay so what's the main talking point for today's episode so in the previous episode i talked about certain x factors for the new jersey devils so i figured why not do a follow-up of that episode since it's obviously the start of the new season for new jersey devils and we have a lot of potential firepower but it all just needs to connect together now you're probably wondering like what, what do i mean by x factor and star player because when I was talking about X-Factors in the last episode, I left out a few players, notably players like Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, Dougie Hamilton, Mackenzie Blackwood, you know, players that we anticipate to have good years. So the difference between an X-Factor and a star player in my eyes is that, you know, you know, the old phrase like, do you need it or do you want it? So I feel as though for an X-Factor, it's someone that you want to have this certain production, but it's not a necessarily a dire need. It's so... You know, for, for someone like Jack Hughes, we need him to have a good year. But for someone like Yegor Sharangovich, is him having a good year, is that going to be life or death for the New Jersey Devils? Or is that just a bonus to have? Like, 
The one thing I want from Yegor Sharangovich is that I just want anywhere from great to solid production. And if he's able to provide me just some sort of spark on the bottom six or the top six, wherever he's going to be aligned this season, then that's honestly a win for New Jersey Devils or BTEC Banachek. Like the main thing is that he just needs to make sure that he remains healthy for the entirety of the year, because if he goes down once again, this is really going to put Mackenzie Blackwood in a pickle. So, you know, but BTEC Banachek is supposed to be the backup goalie. He's a young goalie. He's, you know, he hasn't been around the block all that much. So, you know, I put him into that spec of X factors. So uh, Mackenzie Blackwood is more of the star because he is life or death for the New Jersey Devils. Because if he goes down, we obviously know what's going to happen. No disrespect to BTEC Banachek, but, you know, I, I just want to crawl before we walk with Banachek's situation because he's only been uh, accustomed to being a backup goalie. So in today's episode, we're going to talk more about the star players and what we need out of them. So once again, a star player is different from an X-Factor player because, you know, Andre Pilat having a career high all across the board, that would be great, but it's not a need. If we just need him to be a leader and Jack Hughes having a good year, that's an absolute need because if he doesn't have a good year and if he takes a couple steps backwards, the Devils organization takes a couple steps backwards. So let's look at the star players and I'll give you guys my two cent opinion as to, you know, what we need out of this respective player. So first star player, let's start with the goaltending position. Once again, Mackenzie Blackwood. So the problem with Mackenzie Blackwood is that it just doesn't seem like he and the organization have, you know, had a good history. It doesn't seem like they always see eye to eye. And it got to the point where Mackenzie Blackwood changed his agent during the course of the season, which is never a good sign. And it seemed like Mackenzie Blackwood had one foot out the door. And the, the question was always, you know, looming in the heads of many as to what does his future hold with the New Jersey Devils organization? And, you know, we were anticipating that maybe he could leave. Maybe he could be involved in trade discussions or, you know, maybe he'll leave first chance he gets, wherever the case might be. But it seems like that they've done the old kiss and makeup thing. So it seems like Mackenzie Blackwood is on board for New Jersey Devils for right now. So, what I need from Mackenzie Blackwood is for him to stand tall in between the pipes and he really needs to take his, his game to the next level because it seems like the New Jersey Devils are doing everything they can to give him a, you know, a decent support cast. So, you know, you got Jonathan Bernier who is set to return maybe at around Thanksgiving. You brought along B-Tech Vanacek as opposed to someone like Corey Crawford and once again, Jonathan Bernier, players that are on the other side of their better days, players that were always on the brink of retirement, the New Jersey Devils decide to just flip it a little bit and say, let's go younger. Let's go with someone who has raw potential and someone who can definitely potentially become a starting goalie at some point in their careers. But the one thing I want to see out of Mackenzie Blackwood is that he needs to, you know, he, he essentially does need to be Superman, but he doesn't need to, you know, take it 10 steps further as in hopefully we don't have to like play him every single game and rely on him that much. But Mackenzie Blackwood certainly needs to take his game to another level so that way the New Jersey Devils can have a decent chance of being successful. So Vitek Vanacek having a great year, that would be a plus for New Jersey Devils, but it's not life or death since he's a backup goalie. As for Mackenzie Blackwood, him having a good year, that is life or death for New Jersey Devils because if he goes down, then we're really screwed once again at the goalie position and we're back to square one, which is we have one decent goalie. Let's just hypothetically say that Vitek Vanacek has a solid year. Mackenzie Blackwood takes like three steps backwards. Then 
we're back at square one as we were at the beginning of the offseason, which is we have one decent goalie, but what do we have after that? So that's the overall thing for Mackenzie Blackwood. If he has a good year and Vitek Vanacek has a good year, then the New Jersey Devils will have a legitimate chance of, you know, trying to make a run at the playoffs, maybe, you know, try to get their names in more respect talks around the league, and maybe they can creep on in on the Metro standings, whatever the case might be. But it starts with the goaltending because that was the big issue for New Jersey Devils last year. Now, let's look at Dougie Hamilton. So the issue for Dougie Hamilton was that he was the top free agent back in summer of 2021, and the New Jersey Devils were able to snag him away from the Carolina Hurricanes and sign him to a long-term deal. Now, I've talked to a few, uh, you know, credentialed Devils writers, and someone like Christy Flannery, not really sold on Dougie Hamilton because she feels as though that Dougie Hamilton is going to put up three years of solid production, and then he's going to, you know, decline a little bit. She cited examples as to his playing days with the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think we got Dougie Hamilton at the right possible time. But unfortunately for Hamilton is that, you know, he, he suffered a facial fracture. And, you know, when I was talking to the Brat Pack on Twitter space one time, he said, like, the thing with the facial fracture is that it, you really can't recover from that until during the offseason when, you know, you, you don't have to work out, you don't have to, you know, play as many games, whatever the case might be, because you're giving your body a rest. Because for Dougie Hamilton, when he came back, most likely his diet did have to change. He had to lose some weight, wherever the case might be, just because he's not eating as much. So, uh, you know, he's recovering from that facial fracture. And no surgery is ever a minor surgery. And that's, you know, living proof with Dougie Hamilton because a facial fracture is not life or death. It's not a career ender per se. But at the same time, it's still a surgery procedure that, you know, does have some lingering effects. And unfortunately, Dougie Hamilton felt those lingering effects. So, the thing for Dougie Hamilton is that he needs to rebound. And I want Dougie Hamilton to show us why we signed him to a long-term deal. I want Dougie Hamilton to show everyone why he was a top free agent. I want Dougie Hamilton to show everyone, you know, that he is a top 20 defenseman in this league. Because remember a good while ago when the NHL released their list of the top 20 defensemen in the league and Dougie Hamilton wasn't on that list. I said, yes, Dougie Hamilton did have a down year, but you really can't put that on Dougie Hamilton, the player. Once again, the, the name of the game for a New Jersey Devils last year was just circumstance. And unfortunately, Dougie Hamilton fell into the realm of bad circumstances, which, which was the facial fracture that sidelined him for like, what, nearly two months. And he wasn't able to repeat that same production that he was able to do for the Carolina Hurricanes, Calgary Flames, Boston Bruins, whatever the case might be. So, you know, uh, last year he appeared in 62 games. He had nine goals, 21 assists for a grand total of 30 points. And our best defenseman last year was Jonas Siegenthaler. So goes to show you that, uh, you know, the Devils were kind of down bad. But Dougie Hamilton, I think he is bound to have a comeback year. And he definitely needs to rebound because that's going to be crucial for the New Jersey Devils. I wish more people were talking about Dougie Hamilton because it seems like a lot of people, including myself, we talk a lot about Jack Hughes. We talk a lot about Jesper Bratt. We talk a lot about of our young guys like Fabian Zetterlin and Alexander Holtz. But why don't we talk about Dougie Hamilton? Because this guy could potentially win a Norris trophy. I predicted it when we first nagged him. I said, you know what? Maybe Dougie Hamilton could win a Norris trophy when he's playing with the New Jersey Devils because prior to him signing with the Devils, he was a finalist for the Norris trophy during his final year with the Carolina Hurricanes. So I think Dougie Hamilton is primed to still 
you know, put his name into the running for the Norris Trophy, but he just has to bounce back this year. And that is certainly life or death for New Jersey Devils. So Dougie Hamilton having a good year, that's certainly essential. Now, looking at our baby big three on the fourth. So you got Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, and also Nico Heischer. Now, each one of those guys brings their own type of skill sets to the table. So let's try to narrow this down because we already know what we need from all those players. So like from Jack Hughes, he's the franchise piece. So we need him to, you know, lead this franchise to the next level. So this engine really runs through Jack Hughes. Now I'm not trying to put too much pressure on him because, you know, he's still young. He's still trying to find himself as a player. But if, if Jack Hughes doesn't get anywhere from 80 to 90 or so points, at least I say he's taken a step backwards and, I get that's a little controversial, and normally I don't like putting too much pressure on our young guys, but that's the truth because last year in like 49 game appearances, that's what Jack Hughes was on pace to do. So I could sit here and talk about his health, but someone brought to my attention, yes, Jack Hughes was plagued with injuries last year, but it's not like he has a history of getting hurt. It's just, once again, bad circumstance for Jack Hughes, and I would have to agree with that fan because – So last year, that's the exception. But the year before, it was a shortened 56-game season due to COVID. And then the year before that, his rookie year, in which he, you know, didn't perform well at all, COVID hit and he wasn't able to finish off the season. So I would have to agree with that fan. And hopefully that sheds some light for other Devils personalities, which is, is Jack Hughes really injury prone or did, or was this just, you know, the one year where he did, you know, get hurt? And unfortunately, Jeremy Lawson, like, you know, shoved him into the boards and later in the year he suffered another injury and that sidelined him for the rest of the year and he wasn't able to finish off he was still named an all-star still partook in the skills challenge but Jack Hughes really needs to get anywhere from 80 to 90 points because he is definitely going to be one of our best bets to you know be a point per game getter so that's the name of the game for Jack Hughes which is he is going to be our superstar player You need to play like a superstar. You need to participate like a superstar. And you need to get like anywhere from 80 to 90 points. So that way the Devils at least can rely on your stick to generate the offense and make our engine run. And now look at Nico Heischer. Somebody told me that the idea of Nico Heischer being a superstar has pretty much sailed. Now, this person did say that uh, Nico Heischer can still be a contributor and, you know, be a solid two-way player and get his name into the running for the Selkie Award because that's what I project from Nico Heischer. But I still think he's relatively young. He had his – I'd say he had one of his best years last year for the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, yes, he's been in the league for a while, but he's only 23 years of age. So I think Nico Heischer has only scratched the surface. I think he still has a lot of room to grow and develop. And I get it, you know, when you've been in the league for a while – and believe it or not, guys, he's played in 300 NHL games. Yes, it's hard to believe that, but that's the truth. And uh, his first year in the league, he got 52 points in 82 games, not really superstar material. And then, you know, just really nothing the last three or so years. But, you know, this year in 70 games, he had 60 points. But remember, the name of the game for Nico Heischer is to be a good two-way player and, you know, just provide that defense for our forwards. Now, I still think Nico Heischer can definitely become a superstar. He's already been an all-star. He, he might just be a late bloomer, similar to how Jack Hughes was. So 
you know, Nico Heischer, he's only, he's only 23 years of age. He still has a lot of room to grow and develop. And, you know, do I need him to become a superstar? Not really, but I still need Nico Heischer to have a solid season. Otherwise, you know, that's another factor that you have to consider. So uh, Nico Heischer being in our top six is, is really beneficial and he's our captain. So if our captain goes down, you know, the ship goes down as well. So Nico Heischer having a anywhere from a decent to a great season, essential for a New Jersey Devil. Same with Jesper Bratt. I want Jesper Bratt, similar to Jack Hughes, be a point-per-game getter. That's what I need from someone like uh, the Bratt because I think Jesper Bratt can definitely have an all-star year. Now, Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes have set the bar, and Jesper Bratt was able to have a big year last year, but I've said it before in previous episodes. If Jesper Bratt is able to become an all-star similar to his peers of Hughes and Heischer, I think that's his breakout year. And I think that's what puts his name on the map because still a lot of people outside uh, the Metro don't really talk about Jesper Bratt and what he can bring to the New Jersey Devils. So I want to see that from uh, Jesper Bratt and just show why he is the best player in the NHL. A little bit of an inside joke if you're uh, familiar with Devils hockey, the Bratt pack. So uh, ultimately, Jesper Bratt having a big year that's essential for New Jersey Devils because outside of Jack Hughes, who's going to also be our uh, second point for game getter. And, you know, having a dynamic duo of Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt, silent but somewhat impactful uh, duo right there and could be one of the more underrated duos in the entire league. So Jack Hughes uh, obviously is the face of the franchise, but Jesper Bratt being sort of that person who just falls into the shadows. But, you know, once you see him and once you uh, catch a glimpse of him, he can be somewhat dangerous and sneaky. So you might have to watch out. Otherwise, you know, you never know what might happen. So I think uh, Jesper Bratt is definitely just a sleeper for New Jersey Devils. And I think, you know, um, more people are going to start talking about him. So he's like that dark horse. Like, you know, um, you don't anticipate much for him. And, you and you know, he's starting at the tail end of, but then, like I said, he's sneaky. He just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. And then he's leading the race. And you're just like, wait, where did he come from? So that's what Jesper Bratt can definitely be for New Jersey Devils going forward. So those are some of the stars for New Jersey Devils. And uh, to round it all off, because I haven't really talked about Fabian Zerlin or Alexander Holtz, because they're not on the spectrum of star players. But at the same time, I don't want to put too much expectations on them. But if they're able to have solid contributions for New Jersey Devils and if Alexander Holt's best case scenario is anywhere from a solid contributor to a Calder uh, finalist or same with Fabian Zetterlin, you know, Fabian Zetterlin, similar to Jesper Bratt, not really uh, much talked about him outside of the Devils organization could sort of be that dark horse where he just, you know, sneaks his way in and then takes the lead. And you just wonder where did he come from? So both of them can definitely, definitely be impactful for New Jersey Devils, but I don't want to put, too much expectations for them. I don't think that's fair. Let's just see how the first 10 or so games go for them. And, you know, if they're doing nothing, then, you know, I'm just going to be like, you know, don't, I told you not to expect much from them, but if they're able to show out and just show that they could contribute at a high level, I'd just be like, you know what? That's great. And all. So young guys, rookies, they're going to make mistakes. And, you know, they're, even though they've had a cup of coffee in the NHL, this is going to be their real chance to see some consistent action, minutes, wherever the case might be. So let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Who are some of your star players for New Jersey Devils? And who are some of your X factors as well? 
Devils have a lot of firepower. Now it's about meshing it together. And I will catch you after the game when they take on the Philadelphia Flyers. So as for today's episode, that's all the time I have for you. So continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. Catch you in the next episode once again. Happy opening day, everybody.